Hey, how's it going? Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I sure can. Alrighty. Where do we start? Your call, brother. Alrighty, let's start by reading the little message I sent you. Okay. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yes. Alrighty, just one sec. So how are you going just in the meantime? Oh, how am I doing? I'm doing great. I'm just, uh, I spent half the day on FDR, busy work, all the stuff that needs to be done. And then the other half of the day on the new sort of book on real-time relationships, which is quite a lot of fun, although it's a challenge to write. So I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Sounds good. Okay, here's the message. Yes. It says, howdy, Steph. I'm sending you a message to ask your advice for the dilemma I'm having. I know I haven't donated and I'm not expecting you to help, but I figured I'd give this a go anyway. I was chatting with Jessen and Ricky in the chat about the option of going into a refuge to get away from my parents. Jessen, who has been in refuges in Australia, was for it because of how shitty my home situation is. Ricky was against it because my situation wasn't as bad as some kids who go into these places and I may be taking away a spot from one of them. I'm leaning towards it, but that may just be because I don't fully recognize what it is to go into a refuge. And and it, that's it. Right, right. Okay, well, I mean, let, let me just tell you about stuff that I can't help you with so we get that stuff off the table. Obviously, I don't know the quality of, of the refugees. I, I guess they would be called, what, what in North America might be called something like a shelter. Is that, is that right? That was my... That was my understanding of it. They seem to be like, oh, from the places I've seen, they'd be like emergency housing facilities right. or some sort of name like that. Right. Okay. Okay. And so I don't know anything about um, emancipation or student welfare or any of the legal aspects. But of course, there would That's be... That's why I'm asking, is it? No, no, of course not. Of course not. I just sort of want to make sure that, you know, we focus on the stuff that I can actually help you with, right? So... Um, so yeah. that, but there'd be tons of resources to help you with that. So what is the, um, what is the primary driver that is uh, putting you into the situation of considering this as an action? Well, I guess because I'm just so unmotivated to tr do anything now. Go on. <laughs> well, I don't know. It just... Most of my... Pretty much every day consists of going to school... And then coming home and staying in like my room for like until I go to sleep, and I don't know. It. Oh, just one second. It just seems. Well, if I was put in a situation where I, I actually had biofeedback on my actions. And also, Jessen mentioned that it, they help you develop independence. Okay, but perhaps you can tell me a little bit more, because I don't have a, a view of your family situation at all. So if you could tell me a little bit about your family situation, that would help. Uh, all right, where to start? Uh, my dad um, used to work for the RAF. Oh, that's the Royal Australian Air Force. And... Now he currently works for the Shell Oil Refinery and he's been, well, he's sort of just 
it appears like he just comes and goes as he pleases. And my mum used to work for a bank, but now she just does odd accounting jobs for people. So it's mostly just been um, me, my brother, and my mum at home for pretty much, well, yeah, pretty much since I was born. Um, okay, we, me, me and my mum, well, I don't know. Can I get some prompting questions or something? Well, sure. I mean, uh, if you are, uh, uh, how old are you? I'm 17. Okay. So if you're 17 and you're looking, in a sense, for emergency housing, then um, there, I, I would assume, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that there is uh, some bad stuff going on in your household. Yeah. It, well, it's not like I'm being beaten or anything. No, you're 17, right? So, but uh, uh, you could probably take her, right? I mean, <laughs> that's when these yeah, things could to stop. But what is the um, what what is the situation? Okay, tell me a little bit about uh, how your mum raised you, what kind of discipline uh, she had, whether you you know whether you had any intimacy, whether you were close or anything like that. Uh, intimacy? No, not at all. I I remember when I was okay. I don't remember the exact age. I just sort of have to infer it. But it would have been oh, would have been when I was about six. I remember my mum driving me up to a juvenile detention centre, or as she called it, the naughty boys' home, and threatened to leave me there unless I'd clean my room or something mundane like that. Right. And uh, there was this. There seems to be like there's so many examples in my mind of times where she would just like completely let loose on me and my brother about how we were misbehaving, and then the phone would ring, and then she'd be like, oh, hi. And I remember thinking it was the craziest thing back then as well. Yeah, no, and, and just uh, not not to interrupt your story, but, you know, my mom was the same way, right? He was screaming like a banshee, like a, a banshee siren, and then the phone would ring, and she'd be like, oh, I think it's my boyfriend, you know, whatever, right? And it would be like a complete, like, out with the old and in with the new in terms of personality. Yeah, it's like, how many people are, are in there exactly, right? Can we get them all together for a conference, maybe? But, so, sorry, go on. Oh, yeah, and oh, what else? I had another fantastic point, but now it escapes me. Well, uh, so uh, <laughs> there was obviously... Um, uh, oh, no, I got it, I got it, got it, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, just, I remember these times where uh, I would complain to my mum about something and then she would just completely bawl out, oh, I'm a terrible parent and maybe I should go to live with or, like one of her friends or something. Something along that, and then I would have to go. No, you're not a bad parent, and I'd have to consult her, which is just messed up. So she's pretty good at making it about her, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you could say that. No matter what happens, it's about her, right? So if you're upset, it, it immediately becomes about yeah. her, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and just I've, that. Just uh, more recently, it's been like, like I do something like I wouldn't. Hang, like put my clothes in like a washing basket or something goes why don't you do this you just do this to frustrate me and i respond was respond with yeah i've got nothing better to do than to think about these tiny little insignificant things to piss you off right right you haven't uh listened to um there was a recent uh two uh two podcasts um with an australian fellow and just your family sounds very similar right insofar as uh it is uh, a crazy mom. And Was the podcast Predatory Depression? Yes, the two. I uh, haven't listened to them yet. Yeah, you might want mm. to listen to them because 
it sounds like you are like the the twins separated at birth, and maybe you're in fact brothers. It would be kind of ironic, right? If your brother had called in already, but I don't think so. But but have a listen because the, there's the crazy mom and the absent dad, and uh, two boys, right? So it's uh, something to uh, something to have a listen he to. He wasn't he wasn't the younger one, was he? Was he? Uh, no, I don't think he was. I think he <laughs> was. Right. No, he's certainly he's uh, he's uh, he's not as young as you are. So it's just it the similarities will be kind of freaky when you listen to it because. Uh, uh, it seems like there's only one kind of family in Australia. Anyway, that could just be my perception, having talked to a grand total of two Australians about their families in this way. So, so uh, it's it's safe to say, I guess, that there's no love lost between yourself and your mother. Oh no, I would if like someone came up in like just a car now and said, "Hey, you want to come and live somewhere else?" Then I'd be totally for it. Oh, sure. No, of course. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Now, clearly, you had psychological abuse. I mean, to to put cards on the table as far as your history goes, right? I mean, threatening to drop your child off at a juvenile detention center when he's six is, uh, no matter what you did, like you said, well, I didn't clean my room or something or make my bed, but it doesn't well, matter. I don't, right? I don't remember what I, did, what I did, so it couldn't have been that bad. But it doesn't matter how bad it was. That is not good parenting. Like, no matter... Uh, you know, no matter what you did, I mean, if you'd set fire to the cat or whatever, right, then it, it's still not how you handle things with a child uh, that's highly abusive, highly destructive, and it is a clear um, severing of the bond, right? Because the one thing that occurs with these kinds of parents is that you don't feel any bond with them, right? I mean, the only, re- the only interaction that you have with them is to serve their needs in one way or another, but there's no actual mutual bond, right? Yeah, totally agree. So you had uh, psychological abuse. Um, I'm, it seems clear to me that there was verbal abuse, but you can let me know whether that is the case or not. Uh, a ver- verbal abuse how? Uh, well, a verbal abuse would be um, uh, uh, raising uh, her voice at you, um, uh, calling oh, you yeah. names, uh, and so on. Yeah, not so much names, or not that I can remember, but yeah, she raised her voice a lot. Like to a to a, a loud sort of speaking or to a screaming or a shrieking or what like what sort of extremity are we talking about? Certainly felt like shrieking when I was a when I was young, sure. but then of course I remember her telling me I, I'm not yelling. <laughs> right, I bet she wasn't just telling you that, right? <laughs> She's yelling at you, don't or you know don't don't make me yell by provoking me, right or whatever, right? Um, oh no 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 no, that would that would mean she was yelling. Right. Right, right. So there's a constant denial of reality too, right? Yeah. Oh, and just on the denial of reality thing, ever since I've become an atheist and tried to like talk to her about it, man, oh man, has <laughs> it been so evident? Okay. Now, was there any physical abuse? Oh, the standard hitting when you're young, but that's about it. Can you tell me what, uh, because this definition changes from place to place, what is what is standard hitting where you are? Uh, up until I was about, okay, say about eight, let's go with that. Just get a, like, a hit or, like, just smack you, like, around the bum, something when you've done something bad. Right. Of course, when you get to the age when you can take them, they need to take a different tactic, eh? 
Right, 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 right. Okay. And the and my dad will. I don't recall him hitting me, but there have been these instances where he'd like do something, and it was understood that one one move, you're getting hit. How many times a week would you be in the situation where you would be fearing some sort of punishment? Uh, when I was young, yeah, I didn't really think in weeks back then. It was more hour to hour. <laughs> okay, let's go with uh, how many times a day would you be concerned or be afraid of punishment? Let's go with two. Sounds about right. Okay. Did you ever experience the punishment as something that was being applied against you because you were genuinely being bad or was it just these are the arbitrary rules and if I don't obey them, I will get punished? I'm tempted to say just it felt like arbitrary rules, but no, that's not really it. And the reason, sorry, the reason that I just, to, to analogize that, right? So if, if you're playing rugby and you, I don't know, you pass the ball forward, then you get, uh, you know, it's a, whatever, you get a ticket or you, whatever. Right? But that's not metaphors moral. Metaphors change for your convenience. I'm sorry? Oh, rugby metaphors for the Australians. Yeah, yeah, there you go. See, I'm always trying to serve up the, uh, serve the audience as best I can, right? And I was doing fine until I tried to remember what the hell the punishment was, but I haven't played rugby. In hell, I don't know things. what it is. I don't know what it is either. But but the thing is that um, nobody thinks that if they pass the ball forward, they've done something immoral. It's just, I've broken these rules, and, you know, it's just the rules that you have to play by. So when you were punished, was it because, like, if you, if you did something wrong and you were punished, was it like, okay, well, the game is try to obey these crazy rules, and if you get caught, then you get punished, and that's just part of the game. And I don't mean a game like it was fun, but did you experience when, you're, when your mom said, you know, you're a bad kid or something like, did you ever feel like a bad kid or was it just, well, that's just mom talking? Well, it's sort of the, the main, there were two main reasons why I said it, what, like it didn't feel like arbitrary rules. Well, the, the first one being that like when I was about, say, 14, when I got depressed, it felt like there was something wrong with me. So... And also, it seemed to be like, if you do like this thing wrong, then your future will be like this. And the analogy which I was just talking about in the chat room was that if you keep acting like that, you'll end up like your Uncle Steve, who was just a complete failure as a human being. Right. So there was a... Uh, that's not quite the same as moral, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, is, is your, your mom is religious, right? So if she's bothered by you being an atheist, is, is she religious? She's a religious to the point where it frustrates me. It's this. But before I became an atheist, I like was thinking like, oh, I like we didn't go to church, and it seemed to me if God is real and the Bible says you have to go to church and you don't go to church, well, that seems like bad mojo. Right. So I was like, and it just sort of just keep nagging, but it never seemed to bother Mum. She, I don't know. It seems weird that, like, if you're consistent enough to try and follow the Christianity, you end up falling right out of it. Yes, that's true, but I just missed that transition point. So your mom didn't go to church, but she was a Christian? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, I, 
so she was like, did she read the Bible? Did she pray every day? I mean, what was what was the extent of her religiosity? I've been told she prays every, every day, but I haven't seen it. She's got all these like stupid little knickknacks with Bible quotes on them. Right. Okay. But so again, she's, no she's managed to make Christianity also all about her, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's quite a talent. It's like a gravity but, well, right? But then again, no Christians ever read the Bible, to be fair. Well, but they do go to church and have bits of it read to them, right? The bits that appeal to their vanity. I remember I was, ta- I remember I was taken to um, church with my grandmother, and she was more on the extreme on the extreme side of it. Well, let's call it the consistent side. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So we have psychological abuse, some verbal abuse in terms of raised voices, but not much name calling. We have. Um, relatively minor and culturally acceptable physical abuse, which doesn't mean good or whatever, right? And we also have a certain um, feeling on your part that you have to obey the rules. If you can get away with something, you'll do it without any particular guilt, uh, you know, because it's just these crazy rules and you have to survive. And then you said... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, just on that note, I remember when I was 15 um, hearing about um, Machiavelli's The Prince and because I was lazy, I just looked it up on Wikipedia and I just and it just seemed to make sense. <laughs> like, do what you can, take no prisoners. Yeah, I mean, the, this, is, uh, this is what happens when you are in a state of nature and uh, you are um, uh, being raised by people who, I don't know if you've read the, or listened to or got a hold of a copy of uh, On Truth, this book, the little book that nah, I read? Well, it might yet. be worth it if you uh, come in uh, to a couple of bucks or if you can't afford it, just send me a note and I'll send you a copy and you can just pay me if you like it. But uh, it very much is about this idea that parents only use morality uh, as a concept to dominate and bully their children, right? So they say, well, you're a bad kid if you don't do this. You should obey me. You should obey. And they say it's good and bad, but they don't do that because they have any understanding of morality. They just do that because it works, and, and they use morality. So what happens is we look at morality as a system of dominance, right, in this sort of Nietzschean model. So if Yeah, I've sort people... of picked that up from the podcast I've heard. Okay, good. So you know all this stuff, right? So... So, uh, yeah, so you're in a state of nature, right? So it's like, well, whatever I can get away with, right, then I'll get away with, right? I mean, if the cops are corrupt, then people just obey the laws because they'll get punished if they don't, right? Not because they think they're a shining reflection of anything particularly ethical. So what happened when you were 14 and uh, your depression hit? Uh, It's sort of been like, I don't know. I remember at 14, I remember being able to call it depression or maybe it was 15 it's all sort of a blur at this point sorry it's a it's like two or three years ago right oh yeah so how is it exactly a blur i'm sorry like i mean it's not like you're not like we're reaching back 80 years into your past or something here right i mean have you done a lot of drugs in the interim i mean how does this end up being a blur i don't know when like my home life's been basically go to school, come home, and, you know, enough days of that strung together with not much else going on sort of seems to blend together. So, it's the, and this has been going on since you were like 13 or 14, go to school, come home, and stay in your room? Well, before that, uh, pretty much it's basically been base operating procedure since I was born. So you go to school, you come home, and you stay in your room. Yeah. And well, the one alternative, thing I've sort of... 
Sorry, the alternative to staying in your room is what? Like, what happens if you emerge? Oh, yeah, just something I've been sort of piecing together with some talks with people and just some thinking about it. So whenever I have a preference or anything, I'd... Well, there's one thing my parents found to get out of giving me pocket money was just say, oh, whatever you want something, just come and ask us and we'll give it to you. Mm. This would have been when I was about five. And I'd say, oh, mum and dad, I'd like this toy. And then they'd try and convince me that I don't want it or that the desire was stupid. Wow. And it's like, oh, I want to go and I want to go outside and do something. Well, where do you want to go? What, like, what do you want to do? With whom? For how long? Until, oh, just who cares? It's too much Couldn't work. Right? Out there. Yeah. Yeah, so I just gave up. So it's a very soft and gentle prison, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not More bars, it's know. just an accumulation of ash until you just can't keep walking, right? Yeah, it's more a prison than you know. I've come home and I just hop on the computer and my mum would just, just sort of waddle into the room, slam my dinner on the table and walk out and it's just this prison guard metaphor gets all the, all the stronger. Oh, huh, okay. Okay, so um, you can go for quite some time without any kind of interaction with your mom, and as you say, your dad is mostly coming and going when he pleases, right? Oh, yeah. All right. That's right. Um, So, when you were about 14, and I won't go into the theories, if you're familiar with the podcast that I talk about, one of the things that happens when we get into puberty, right, if we've got bad parents, is that we're unprepared uh, for adulthood. We don't have the equipment to make, we've never been never develop those muscles to make choices and so on. So the depression kind of makes some sense, but what was the reaction in your family to the depression? So like there was this, you mentioned earlier, there was this belief that it was your fault in some way, right? Um, belief that I was, where did, the belief that it was my fault, um, where did that come from just again, sorry? Oh, you had said that you felt that there was something wrong with you when you became depressed. Oh, yeah, I remember just um, reminiscing on it um, a couple of days ago. I, I remember when, like, I get a bad report and it's just I'd look over and think, oh, I'm dumb and I'm lazy and I got a bad mark, but I, I just got a, my report back um, a couple of weeks ago and I just look through it and go, well, of course I'm going to get a bad mark. Look at the subjects I'm doing. Legal studies? Come on. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't know much about you, but I can certainly tell you that if you're chewing your way through my podcast, you're not dumb, right? I mean, it's not like they're the ultimate test of intelligence. Maybe they are, I don't know. But uh, this, they're, they're, not, they're not easy for people who aren't very smart, right? So I think that you can, turn, you can work with the default position that you're brilliant, right? And that, then people who are very smart Thanks. don't do very well in, uh, in state gulag schools, particularly with indifferent and anti-intellectual parents, right? Yeah. So I've had a bit. That, sorry, oh, go ahead. Hang on, just relevant tangent. Um, I was recent. My careers, or not careers, years advisor asked me to come and see him about it. And after about I don't know nine reschedulings, we um, he asked me to do this like learning styles test, uh-huh. which really pissed me off. Like, oh, you're failing at school. It must be. It couldn't be because anything's going wrong at home. Right. It also couldn't be but, because the school is not not stimulating you. Yeah, and then we got it. He went through the results, and apparently, I'm an analytical, theoretical learner. 
and all the subjects I was doing were just completely off. Like I was doing um, more legal studies. I've dropped that now. And um, I'm doing Italian studies of religion and software. And like the Italian stuff I was good at first because I had to like figure out how the grammar fit together. I was just like a big puzzle and I was loving it. And then as soon as I had to like write like long answer responses, I just completely tanked. Well, because like, what's the point, right? Well, yeah, it's like it's not like you're writing poems to a beautiful woman that you want to date in Italian, right? Then, then you'd be motivated, right? You guess so. Yeah, they might ask think... you to copy a menu in Chinese. Sorry, go ahead. I remember thinking that. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. I like to make analytical models of stuff, but then again, I can't. I can't even imagine anyone who could enjoy this stuff. Right. 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 But then again, there is all these like arty, hippie, Englishy sort of people who can write stories and that, so I don't know. Maybe they get a kick out of it. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to have the same interests as everybody else, but we certainly... But of course, you've not really had any encouragement. In fact, you've had a lot of discouragement in having preferences, right? Well, yeah. I mean, this is the old thing. You know, you're not given money and and to, you get to make choices uh, based on your preferences. It's like you're, you, know, you, you apply for a toy and it goes through so much paperwork that you give up, right? Yeah. Okay, so, so let me sort of um, give you a metaphor that uh, is brand spanking new and, and see if it... A uh, metaphor from FDR? Get out. Shockingly, and then we'll go on a tangent, and then I'll forget who you are. But anyway. Um, Sounds good. Yes, it's like a, the, the live is pretty much the same as the recorded. It's, it's the same damn thing. But um, see, parents are like doctors, right? And, and Another parents, doctor metaphor? Come yeah, on. Come on. It, it, this is a new doctor <laughs> metaphor, though. So parents, parents are like doctors. And what they're supposed to this do... This time the doctors are evil? This, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to cure... They're the children. Is that your cell phone or is that mine? Nothing's going on over here. But my mum is walking up and down the house. No, no problem. So, yeah, doctors, uh, parents are like doctors, and they're supposed to cure you of an illness called childhood, right? <laughs> yeah, that's all ringing true. Keep going. Right, and um, your, do- your, your doctors were not curing you, right? Because they weren't giving you the, the steps, right? You could say that, uh, you know, like a physiotherapist, if you're stuck in a wheelchair for a year and then you've got to get up and walk, a physiotherapist has to help you do it, right? Whereas, of course, your parents were like piling bricks into the wheelchair, right? And so one of the challenges is that you haven't been given the steps necessary to be able to flex the muscles of selfhood, if that makes sense, to flex the muscles of your identity so that you can uh, sort of step forward into the world, right? And, And that is... Uh, that's a real challenge. There is a part of that that totally sucks, and there is a part of that that is totally great. And you're probably mostly aware of the stuff that sucks, and you may not be as aware of the stuff that is totally great. About I know, I know the that. stuff that's great. You, all your decisions are made for you. No, no, I don't mean that. Oh. Uh, what I mean is the fact that oh you're like a wolf child, right? Like, like you're raised by dingoes or something, right? Um, <laughs> Metaphors change for your convenience. It's no kidding, right? Insert local animal here. <laughs> but, um, but the reason that you're able to process philosophy 
right, is because you have been under-trained, which means that you can also be original. Huh? <laughs> I don't get it. Well, the reason that first principles, that working from first principles is important for you is because you have been untrained, right, in many ways as, as a human being. And that means that you don't have a working template or a workable template with which to process and understand the world. And that's good because most people are trained into thinking that they have a template when they don't, right? The one thing that's generally true about the people who get into philosophy and are very successful in the pursuit of wisdom is that they are undertrained by their parents in cultural stereotypes or, you know, whatever the template is for people to work with in your society, in your culture, right, in Australia. So you're very interested from first principles, in working from first principles, because you kind of have to learn how to walk, right? And because you kind of have to learn how to walk, you have to learn a lot about muscles and tendons and weight, and you, you really become an expert, right? And so because you have uh, uh, no particular template to work from that's going to be helpful for you, because you're going to live a life that's different from your parents, right? So we hope, right? Without any luck. Yeah. So, so the stuff that sucks is that it's like I don't know exactly how to make choices, and I'm not real comfortable with my own preferences, and I'm you know I don't I don't I don't feel a lot of uh, self-generated stimuli about where it is I want to go in life, and all those kinds of, all of those things which are a real struggle. They're kind of in your face, but I promise you that the lack of templating, the lack of uh, habits that you've been trained in, also gives you the chance to be very original. Huh. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's going to be something that's important to look at um, because, because there's a kind of restlessness and a curiosity that comes out of all of us who were raised by ourselves, right, or who were raised in opposition. We tried to raise ourselves in opposition to all the bad advice and indifference we were given, right? And your childhood sounds particularly solitary. Yeah. Uh, just um, just an aside here. Um, yeah, the model that I was, the my years advi advisor was talking about was there was analytical people and, I don't know, the creative sort of people. Are you saying that there's just, like, the insane people and the people who haven't had insanity inflicted on them. The people who, sorry, haven't had insanity? Well, yeah, like trained in the cultural norms and then, I don't know. Most of the people who like seem to be able, well, in my school anyway, who seem to be able to like do creative subjects like art and English, yeah, they're not the people I want to talk to. <laughs> Well, sure, because what they have is they have a kind of creativity without rationality, right? Yeah. Right, whereas there are I, other kinds of people yeah. who have the rationality without the creativity, right? Like the engineers, the, the typicals, the, the Spocks, and so on, right? But, sorry, that's your dad's metaphor. Um, but Hang on, what? Uh, well, Spock from Star Trek, but that's probably before your time, right? <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm just having an age flash here, so I'm back. But, um, but philosophy, the beautiful thing about philosophy is that it is creativity in rationality, right? It's like the most creative of the sciences in many ways, but it's very disciplined, right? Oh, yeah, it makes sense. 
Well, I don't think I'm uncreative. No, I'm saying that I think you have the capacity for great creativity if you're interested in working from first principles, which you would be because of a lack of a cultural template, right? So, so yeah, it makes sense. So the issue in terms of getting out of your house is that just because you've got this, this little cell called a bedroom that you come home from, and there is obviously, if you say your mom's waddling in and slamming down your food like a prison guard, that there's a certain kind of um, unpleasantness uh, in the environment. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's use the word unpleasantness for lack of a better term. Well, what's a better term? I don't know, just this complete soul-sucking horror. I think that's but probably it, a better way of putting it. I think that's a better way of putting it. Right, so it, it, there's a, there's a, there's a, the air is poisoned almost, right? Yeah. And your mom's mood is what, in general? Oh, sometimes she just goes from this, this complete just un- optimistic mushiness. Like sentiment. Where she'll just, well, yeah, and she'll just sort of go, hi, how are you going? But, and then, then just be like, this sort of grunting, everything's against me, her sort of mood. Right, right. Now, tell me, just before we move on, just tell me, you'd said earlier that you are um, talking with your mom about atheism. <laughs> yeah, well, I was. Until... Oh. Until I really started getting into the podcast. Okay, so that's not that's I mean because you know that that would not be something that I would consider to be a particularly great idea. But I mean, if you've already dealt with it, we don't need to. Right? Yeah, or I guess sometimes I sort of lapse into it. Like I just wander into the lounge room, and my mom would be watching this like like the haunting sh- or you know those documentaries when they try and spy out ghosts. Oh yeah. Yeah, I tried to respond to it. Oh, it's so tempting, isn't it? <laughs> well, cause yeah, now it sounds like you hate her, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to put words here. in your mouth, right? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but this is sort of the feeling that I'm getting, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. It will. Yeah, hatred, but it's I don't know. Do you sort of have to recognize someone as a person before you hate them. She just sort of seems to be this amalgamation of cultural influences. Yeah, well, amalgamation of cultural influences or no, she was the waddling horror who raised you, right? And that's not pretty, right? (laughs) Yep. Or who didn't raise you, right? Who used you, who exploited you. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. So... Um, you want to get her in a way, right? Like you want her to suffer. Yeah. You want to take away religion. You want to take away sentimentality because you want her to suffer, right? Yeah, and this is something I sort of touched on with Ash a couple of days ago. Um, We were talking about, well, I was talking with, oh, I think it was Ricky, and he said, oh, just get out of the house and go and do something. And so I did. I put some stuff in a bag and... I put a note on my desk that said, oh, I've gone out from Dave. And then I got back and I was like, well, why the bloody hell did you go out? And saying, I don't know, just cause. And I was just being despondent. And Ash we sort of, Ash and I sort of came on to the conclusion that I took a question that would result in conflict because I wanted them to be hurt. 
Well, so sorry, I just want to make sure I understand this. So you're 17 years old and you were criticized for leaving the house? Criticized for not telling them is the story. Oh, so if they, but but if you told them, then they would have, well, where are you going and who are you doing and what's going on? Yeah. Then you would have run into the bureaucracy, right? The state is a product of the family more no so kidding. than you can imagine. No kidding. But, uh, but, but I mean, that's the impossible situation, right? So if you go out and you bypass the bureaucracy, then you're criticized. But if you agree to not bypass the bureaucracy, then by the time you leave the house, your like, soul is dying, right? <laughs> I mean, man, I need a, like, man, I need a nap. I gotta, after the bureaucracy, you just want to go have a nap. Right, right, right. So that's the impossible situation that they, they put you in. And the reason that, that uh, I, uh, I wanted to mention this, right, is that uh, you've got a lot to be angry about, right? Just man <laughs> to man, right? You have a lot to be angry about. And you have to uh, – and, and you should be angry, right? You should be angry. But, but you should not turn that anger – into a desire to hurt your parents. Yeah, you should use anger to fix the situations, like you said. Yeah, I mean, this is, and the reason that I wanted to pause, just when you say, like, you want to uh, talk to your mom about atheism and so on, which is a nice way of saying that, uh, you know, I want to take away my mom's drug of religion, right, so that she sees herself, the horror that she is, and, you know, that there's a desire to punish, and that desire to punish, <clears throat> I totally understand it. I totally understand it. I'm not quite... I'm not quite sure that the um, take away the dragon, see her as the like monster she is metaphor. It doesn't really connect with me because like I was like really into the Christianity before I became an atheist. Well, Partly sure, but uh, but that's not the differentiator that I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that you had not hurt children, right? Mm. I did sort of have a. Oh, yeah, this is going to amount to nothing, but I did sort of have a bit of a harsh discussion with my girlfriend about when she decided to become a Wiccan. Okay, we'll keep that ball in the air and we'll come back to that in a stunning feat of juggling. But um, uh, but, but the, 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 because you're going to, um, and, and we can mention Ash, because you right? Ash has a desire to engage with crazy people. Right, and and this this happens, and this can we is get this from after he's engaged with me, or no, no. What I mean is that, uh, on, and I've talked to, to this uh, with the, uh, with him about this, right? But we had a, a Buddhist come in a couple of days ago. Ah, oh, yeah, happened, right. And uh, fun times, right? And he he wants to dig in, right? He wants to get them, right? So he wants to corner them, right? He wants to corner them and get them to just damn well admit that their beliefs are stupid, right? But that never happens, does it? Well, it doesn't happen. That's right. And that's, this, this is, this is just something to watch in yourself because we're talking about your future here. I mean, your past is what it is, right? But in your future, you're going to meet lots of people like your mom. They, they're all over the place. The world is not full of them, but the world is not, it's not just your mom, right? And you're going to have a, uh, a desire to, uh, to get them, right? Yeah, I noticed that when I tried to um, bring up the anarchy stuff with the political forum at school. Oh, man. 
Right, and and you've got to be careful that you don't recreate. The real challenge, right, is to recreate as little of her childhood as humanly possible, and the stuff that we do recreate is only the good stuff, right? And you are going to have a desire to want to get crazy people in your life. Oh, yeah. Well, don't. I think I've worked like a bit through it. I think I've made incredible progress if I maybe throw away humility for a moment. Sure, and uh, these are just pointers, right? I mean, I'm not saying that you're a guy with a, a scimitar going into the church or anything, but I'm just saying that it's just... Not yet, anyway. So what happened uh, with your girlfriend and the Wiccan thing? Uh, this was a while ago. Well, seeing as I couldn't really leave the house because I had to go through bureaucracy, I just sort of talked on MSN, mm-hmm. and she said, oh, I'm really into this Wiccan stuff, and... Well, of me being the typical cutout Christian, I brought the, well, you know you're going to hell, don't you? And how and old were you when this, sorry to interrupt, how old were you when this happened? Okay, this would have been, okay, it would have been before that trip, so I would have been late 14, 15 about that. Right, okay, and this is still your girlfriend or not so much? No. Okay, no, no, good. No, no, just no. just checking. Never want to sort of you know dive in where where the sensitivity and so on. No, okay, that... so the, the if you can't get into a um uh, was it a refuge a shelter I can't remember the word that you used. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so if you, you can't get into one of these places, um, how long until you can move out? Well, I haven't had a paid job yet, so, well, because if I want to get a paid job, that's like mountains of bureaucracy, but I've been doing what I can, been getting resumes out there. Right. So, I don't know, school ends like in a year. Yeah, that's a hell of a long time to wait, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 365 days. (laughs) And counting, right, right. Well, um... Do, have you looked at all into the uh, the practical aspects of getting into one of these sorts of housing uh, projects? No, not really. Just sort of just came up yesterday when I was talking about it in the chat room. Right, right. Well, I mean, any place where you don't have your parents around is probably good. better, right? Yeah. Um, That's a given. Yeah, you know, my my particular perception, I don't know if somebody said, well, but there are people who need the spot even more and so on. It's like, yeah, but that's stupid, right? I mean, that's like I can't eat a Big that's... Mac because there are starving people in India. Like, forget that. I mean, this is your life. Yeah, I right? got really angry when Ricky made that argument. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, you you don't want to be listening to that stuff, right? <laughs> because then it's like, well, I, I can't wear a shirt because there's a guy who doesn't have a shirt in Sri Lanka or whatever, right? So... So, you know, as far as your life goes, it seems to me that if you can pull it off, that would be a pretty good thing. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can't, I mean, you're a young man, you're, you should be out having fun, right? Hell, I think I'm entitled. I think you're damn well entitled. You're damn well entitled. Not stupid fun. Not getting drunk, not doing drugs, not sleeping around. Not stupid fun, but <coughs> fun, right? Actual fun. Actual fun, right? Not not like a hedonistic idiot fun, but actual uh, fun, right? You should be doing that. And, you know, this year is a year you're never going to get back, right? 
Yeah. Now you, you stay at home. It doesn't get tacked onto your life when you're 90. And even if it does, who wants a year when you're 90 when you can have a year when you're 17? Yeah, bring it on. Damn right. Damn right. I mean, you should be out there, right? And find yourself some non-Wiccan princess. And, you know, but, uh, but I mean, I think that it would be a very, very good idea. To to get out right, I mean, and to to I mean, again, you got to. I don't want to be anything that's a downer, but you you know when <clears throat> you got to watch when you get out, right? That that the relaxation of of your solitude and it, that you don't sort of overcompensate and go nuts. But I mean, I'm sure you're smart enough to figure that part out. But yeah, I would say if you can get to, if you can get to some place where you have some real independence, I mean, damn right, yeah, go for it. All right, so I've got. Confirmation that the Canadian cult leader wants me to move out. That's right. I'm sorry that the uh, the uh, the the big FDR commune, uh, you know, in the woods north of Toronto is still under construction. Otherwise, of course, we'd send the, all of the black helicopters to pick you up. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, it's only a matter of time. It's a matter of time. Now, is there anything else that you uh, wanted to talk about? Uh, um, I know that you're at home. Mother is slithering and lurking around and so on. Was there anything else that you had questions about? Was this a useful chat that we had? Uh, sort of useful, I guess. Like, well, it's good to just clear the air about sort of what I want to do in terms of like leaving home. But, uh, I could have sworn there were some other things I wanted to bring up. Oh, in the meantime, an esoteric question. Sure. Um, you've mentioned on the podcast about how men and women fit together apart from the bile, like the naughty bits. Yeah, yeah, apart from the naughty bits. Yeah, well, could you go into that in more detail? Because yeah, I'm not really buying it. Uh, you mean you think that men and women are not compatible, uh, sort of in general, well, psychologically? Well, like, sure they're compatible, but as compatible as like two men are or two women are. Oh no, no! That's uh, that's. I mean, from my experience, that's not uh, that's not the case. That's not the case. I mean, if you look at, um, I mean, just I'll give you a simple example, right? So, you're not married, obviously, so you don't know about these strange places. But um, there are stores that I never even knew there was a store brand like that, like like Home Sense and and Bed Bath and Beyond and so on, right? Where you can get towels that bend you know you get towels of different colors and you get little seashell soaps wrapped in plastic that you're not supposed they're to just unwrap. towels get over it no oh, you see but this is the thing right this is the thing this is the difference that women are unbelievable nesters right i mean if you 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 go into i mean 95 percent of the economy is women nesting and the other five percent is men buying electronics but we can get into that another time but if you go into uh, a computer store, it's all guys. And if you go into um, uh, one of these... That one, and that all, one non-Wiccan women, right? princess. Yeah, and if you, if you look at men's magazines, right, it's all, you know, stereos and guys with washboard abs and so on. And, and, if you, and then that's like a tiny little corner of the magazine rack. And then if you look at uh, the women's magazines, it's, it's, it, it, it's a different planet. I mean, <laughs> same planet, different worlds, right? And there is... Uh, a very and there are very large differences and lots of similarities and so on, but there are very large differences between uh, between men and women that are complementary if both people enjoy their gender and so on. Like when I was before I got married, I was living in a one bedroom apartment 
uh, and I had an old futon, and I had you know the the biggest television set that the apartment building could reasonably sustain with its engineering, and nineteen computers and and so on, and and it was great, right? And now that I'm married, I live in a house, uh, and it's beautifully painted, and it's beautifully decorated, and right and I think it's I think it's wonderful, right? I think it's absolutely great. I feel like I'm living in a showroom, uh, and it's beautiful. And there's just no conceivable way that I would ever have done that myself. Like I never would have dreamed of it. I, even if I had wanted to, I wouldn't have even known where to begin. But my wife is like pre-programmed with all this knowledge. She knows what we need to buy, where we need to go, and all this kind of stuff. And the house runs beautifully, and the the food flows in, and it's cooked. <laughs> you know, it gives me the chance to focus on. Uh, the the intellectual pursuits and so on, which of course my wife has as part of her job. But uh, there is that. Um, so she just outstrips you in every area, or? Oh no, no, I'm much better. Like she she runs the finances, she runs the household. Um, but I, what I do is I run the emotional integrity within the relationship, right? So I'm. Yeah, I was just kidding before. Oh, okay. But I mean, in terms of complementarity, uh, we're you know, and I don't think that we're alone in this, right? I mean. But uh, she's good at some very traditionally female things. I'm good at some very traditionally male things. And it actually works out uh, really, really well. So it certainly is possible. Uh, but uh, and, and all the bachelors that I know, all the guys who, who live without women, they have a particular kind of look and feel to the place, which is I don't want to sit down, right? <laughs> but... Right, but the men who live with women—it's it's just women bring this wonderful, nesting, uh, amazing, beautiful thing to your life, right? Remind them to shower. Yeah, that kind of stuff, you know, the hygiene and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and so, I mean, there is a, this is just one aspect of, of very many, right? But um, uh, they, oh, yeah. I mean, there is an enormous amount of, of uh, complementary stuff that goes on between men and women if you sort of let it happen and don't try and judge it too much. Oh, yeah, I suppose. I remember thinking that regardless of which way this conversation goes, I'll probably still be chasing skirts. Sure. There's nothing wrong with chasing skirts, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with chasing skirts, right? <laughs> the, uh, the thing oh. to make sure is, right, just don't chase them off a cliff, right? <laughs> Yeah, like the discussion couldn't go, hmm, Steph was wrong, and men and women are complementary. We should all become gays now. I'm pretty sure that couldn't happen, although you yeah. are pretty persuasive. So, Right, right. And, and, uh, and, of course, if you want to raise children, right, then men and women are very different styles. <laughs> Uh, of uh, you know, in in a if you want to raise children well, right, then men and women bring very different and complementary styles of parenting to the mix, right? And that's just, I mean, that's not even just my opinion, right? It's just that, you know, like uh, girls who grow up without a dad tend to have certain behavioral problems, and guys that grow up without moms and have different behavioral problems, and there's just no better way to raise children uh, if if you can have a happy marriage, right, than having two. Uh, two people, a man and a woman, I believe, right, raising the children. I mean, that that just works out psychologically and scientifically. That's not just that there's a lot of complementary stuff that goes on if you just sort of yeah, relax that, and enjoy it rather than to get all ideological and feministy and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, that and you got to actually make the kids. Yeah, I mean, that until the chemistry sets get a little bit more advanced, that does require all the naughty bits in the world, right? So. Yeah. Um yeah, uh, next topic of conversation. Here we go. I've actually been bringing up some of this FDR stuff with some of my friends. And one of them is a 
well, sort of been on the relativist feminist side of it. Um, any pointers? A relativist feminist? Well, I mean, the pointers that I would give you are the pointers that I think are useful in general, right? Which is that the first thing you need to do is to say, well, how is it that you differentiate a true statement from a false statement? Oh, uh, yeah. I, you always miss that this... one, right? We always miss that one. No, no, no. no I didn't actually miss it. Oh, well, what happened? <laughs> well, there's this one teacher that she really looks up to, and uh, he is just like the complete and. Antith- antithesis of you and uh, she'd like sort of come over to me hey I heard him talking about this idea and then I just like well in my opinion just completely blow it out of the water right and then and then she'd go back and sort of Get sort of him. like say oh you know David was talking about this and then she'd come back with this this more crap and it's sort of this yo-yoing, and I said, you know what, go and ask him what his methodology for determining truth from falsehood is. And I'm still waiting for, to see how that turns out. It should be interesting. Well, but, so you did miss it, right? Yeah, I didn't ask her. You're right again. <laughs> hey, it had to happen sooner or later. <laughs> but, uh, right, and, and the reason that we don't want to ask that question is it's a conversation killer, right? We, we love wasting time with people arguing all this abstract stuff rather than come down to... Right, I don't know if you watched the video I did recently. I know the Ron Paul stuff's not too fascinating for Australians, but the one that I did about Ron Paul versus uh, personal freedom, right, the political action, personal freedom. Right, we don't want to put that against me thing in because it tends to be a bit of a conversation killer, right, that we like to dabble in uh, in debates, right? But you've got to go for the jugular so that you can save time and not waste your time and increase your levels of frustration and doubt uh, by arguing with people who don't have that definition of what is true and what is false, because it's just nonsense, then, right? Yeah, but I, I, another thing that I was when I've been talking to them with people on the board is that I don't want to rush them through it. Rush them like, through it. Like, I don't know, I spend six months on the FDR trying to get my feet, and it's like, hey guys, you should completely change your way of thinking and all your personal relationships. Doesn't that sound fun? Well, but that's not what I'm saying, right? What I'm saying is you should ask them if they know the difference between true and false. I don't want to hear the answer to that, do I? I I bet you don't, otherwise you would have, right? Yeah. Now, see, there are some very smart people in the world who will say, oh my fucking God, I don't even know what is the difference between true and false, right? And they will have the, the common sense, the wisdom and the humility to say, I don't know, right? But 99.9% of the people will just go charging on, making up a whole bunch of nonsense because they don't have the identity, they don't have the ego strength to be humble, right? Oh, yeah. To say, I don't know, right? That's what Socrates is the old thing, right? The oracle said to Socrates, you are the wisest man. He said, how can I be the wisest man? I know nothing. And then at the end of his life, he realized that he was the wisest man because he could admit that he knew nothing, right? So that makes sense. It, it's, it's, you know, if you look at the fact that literally one-tenth of one percent of people are going to be able to recognize that they don't have the answer to what is true and what is false, and yet we all go around trumpeting off our opinions like we know what we're talking about, one person in a hundred or one person in a thousand will be able to do that, and... They're not going, that kind of person is not going to approach you while you're fuming and spitting at people who don't know their ass from a hole in the ground, right? 
So what I'm trying to say is if you ask people what is true and what is false up front, you can very quickly and very easily get rid of the 99 people so you can get to the one person and then you hope that that one person is really shapely and wearing a short skirt. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Do I know how to incent a 17-year-old or is, is that way off the base? Oh, I was going to make a similar joke and then you came in. You've got to be quick. You've got to be quick. I'm just kidding. More interruptions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I've, I've mentioned heaps of times. This is the funny thing. I've mentioned it heaps of times that the, you know, you've determined truth, a truth and falsehood by rationality, scientific method, what, make, what is logical. And then I get this all sort of, oh, but isn't that restricting? And then I slowly had, well, sort of had to beat it out of her. I don't know. I think she's coming around. But that could just be me. Well, that's that's up to you, right? I mean, if if you um, if you have the patience, right? I don't know if you listened to a call-in show recently where Nate was asking about why does Which he want to give people the answer. Oh, uh, yeah, you got to lead them to it. Well, if it's more fun that way, right? Because there's once once you once people get that aha moment, it's really quite a thrill, right? I mean, it's it's the it's the ideal of being a teacher, right? Is you you get people to to think, right? I mean, it's beautiful. But um, uh, so if you give her the answer, it's not going to resonate with her, right? Oh yeah, that makes sense. So just keep asking questions. Now, of course, if after two questions she's like, "I'm bored," you know. Or whatever, right? Then that's your answer, right? Which is that um, you're attempting to philosophize with a shapely sack of potato for brains, right? Oh, no, she's not bored. but then it, And she's not shapely, so I don't know. What am I doing wasting my time? When I say shapely, I mean the frontal lobe, you know. That, oh. that B cup, like the brain cup. But, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, then just keep asking. But if she gets angry or if she gets... Like, if you run into all of these emotional defenses, then that's your answer, right? Which is that... She gets it, right? Everybody gets it. This is the thing you've got to understand. You're not teaching anyone anything they don't already know. I didn't teach you. I, mean, I don't teach anybody anything they don't already know. Right? Yeah. That's why people get so tense about this conversation because they totally get what it means, right? Yeah, I remember uh, just a couple of days ago, I was looking through some of my old emails and found one from an, in quote, unquote, intelligent friend uh. about when I was talking about anarchy and just... I just remember being thinking, how could anyone believe this stuff? It boggles the mind. How could anyone believe? Oh, he he was talking about anarchy. Yeah. Oh no, right. I was talking about anarchy, and then it's like, oh, you see, people um pay tax like paying taxes is good because people think that paying four thousand dollars in taxes is fine, but paying forty dollars to like to charity is just too much. Like what? Yeah. Yeah, people make up the most astounding nonsense. They make up the most astounding nonsense uh, to 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 just keep their beliefs running, right? I mean, Christians do this all the time, right? The dinosaur bones are put there to test our faith. I mean, but <laughs> literally, how can you, people say that. But how can you function as a human being if, you, like, I mean, my God? Well, but in many ways, I mean, from by many standards, they function very, very well, right? I mean, the Bush family in the United States has an enormous fortune and wields great uh, violent power, right? I mean, it's like the mafia guys, right? I mean, they, they function quite well, right? I mean, as far as material things go, as far as 
the, the power uh, over others goes. I mean, they're functioning very well, right? But um, uh, they just don't function well relative to reality or truth, and that's what they know, and that's why they get so good. It's a good thing they don't have to live in it, hey? Yeah, that's right. It's enough money. Money can buy you the alternate dimension of the null zone. Ooh, I had, I had a question. All right, in, I can give you one more because it's uh, after one here, so I'm going to get to bed uh, soon, but I can give you one more question if it, if it helps. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, no, um, no problem. Yeah, in English, we have, we have to do a text study, and we need to pick a book to study on in a certain area. I'm just grabbing the sheet for it now. I was just like wondering if I could get a suggestion off you. Hang on one second. Oh. How the individual relates to society. Ah, oh, okay. Well, I'll send you a PDF of uh, of uh, on truth. <laughs> Come on, man. I need to get some marks. No, you can trash it if you want to get the marks. You should just read it. That's all. <laughs> I tell you what, read it and see if it fits. It definitely fits into that category. <laughs> and hey, I may even convince the English teacher. Come well, that's, uh, you, have a, you have some influence about that, right? And, and the way to, I mean, this is just a, it's, it's like, you know, you're, you're into Machiavelli, right? So this is just a trick, well, right? Was. Which could be quite effective. Well, he's got some useful things, right? So, so uh, you know, a, another way that you can get people interested in a conversation is you can express your own doubts about it, right? So one of the ways that you can, uh, uh, you can get people, like if you read on truth, right, and you say, geez, this guy's got, got, got it nailed, right? Then the best way to get other people into that conversation is not to say, this guy is totally right and whatever, whatever, because then their first reaction is going to be what? He is a shining beacon of truth in more ways yeah. than one. Right, right. No, they're going to say, no, he's not right, whatever. I've never heard of him. But if you go and you say, you know, it's weird. I just, I, I, got, this, I got this book from this guy. He's like a self-styled philosopher in Canada, if you can believe it, right? And he's written this book about, about culture and, and, and parenting and, and children and so on. And it's got some pretty wild ideas in it. And I'm on the fence, right? Like, I'm on the fence. I think they're interesting. I think that they're, they're stimulating, but... I don't know. What do you think, right? And then you mention a couple of the ideas and so on. Then what happens is that people feel that they're invited into a space where they can contribute, where they can discuss. Whereas if you come with, you know, this is the truth, the answer, and so on, then people will recoil, right? So uh, if you write, if you read this and you write, want to write a book report or whatever, you can say, well, this is an unusual book. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm not behind it 100%. And that's true, right? And nobody can be behind anything 100%. I'm not even behind FDR 100%, right? Because I'm still doubting and questioning, right? But but um, you can say, but well, this is the stuff I liked about it, and, and it's it's radical. I don't exactly know how to fit it into everything else, but there's a lot of logic and evidence here and so on, right? But it's okay. Uh, again, this is a reference you won't get, but there used to be an old television show. On television, uh, called Columbo, where Peter Falk. I know it. Oh, you know it, right? So he's all like, 
he's just about to leave and he's like you know there's one thing that i just can't understand you know like and he's just like he's he's bumbling he's you know confused and so on right uh, and that really disarms people and that's uh, that can be uh, that can be very helpful mm. so pretend like pretend like he's, you're just toying around with the ideas when really you know the refutation to er- any single point they could put forward Sounds familiar. Well, for sure. That's more inviting for people, for sure, because uh, if you just go in and lecture them, then, and like, I'm one to talk, right? But if you just go in and lecture them, then, then it doesn't, uh, it's not as inviting for them, right? And then what happens is they get all their, you just trigger their past, right? I mean, you're like, then, oh, my, the last people to lecture me were my parents, and I didn't like that, and this guy's lecturing me now, too, and all this sort of stuff, right? Oh, yeah, makes sense. Anyway, thanks. Okay, well, I'll email you a copy, a PDF of the book, and uh, you, know, you can have a skim through it. It certainly will be helpful with your own family situation, your own questions about yeah. you know, this sort of I, stuff. But uh, It could be a while before I pay you what with the going into a refuge. Oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, just, just when you can. And, and if you don't like it, then don't pay it, right? <laughs> just, just delete it or whatever, right? So, uh, so um, just, just tell me what's wrong with it before you do. That's all I ask. But no, don't worry about that. Just Just enjoy it. Hey, thanks. It's been good. All right, man. I will talk to you soon, and uh, keep us posted. Will do. See ya. Bye.